0: Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. O'Toole, do you want to know what my burning question is? Of course. I've been waiting all week. (laughs) Okay, my burning question is, will you be upset if there isn't a burning question
1: every week? Not in the least. Okay, we don't have a burning (laughs) question this week. (laughs) (laughs) So we can just jump right to my favorite segment, our comments from our listeners. Yeah, I'm going to start actually with
0: Melissa, who said, Loved reading The Glass Castle. The movie was Okay. But the book had some big events that the movie didn't capture. And when you got to a certain part in the movie, I felt you lost the importance for Jeanette of how and why all that happened. So her example is that when she became the editor of the school paper at a younger age than anybody else ever had, uh, she wasn't excited necessarily just for the recognition, but it gave her access to the building and food at any time, day or night, so she could take a shower. And she felt that the loss of those types of details that were so prevalent in the book um, made the movie all the less good for it. So so what do you think of that? I think she has a really good point.
1: I think Melissa's comment reminds me of that adage, don't judge a book by its movie.
0: <laughs> oh, I love that, I love that. But you know, you are so, it's so funny, because when Melissa wrote that in, I thought, that is so cool. Well, thank
1: you, I'm, I'm flattered by that, that's a great comment. And I've got one from Mark in Wyoming, and this is with regard to last week's podcast on the movie Wind River. Okay. And he wanted to assure us that there is a local FBI field office in Lander, Wyoming, so there would be no need to fly up an agent from Vegas who doesn't own a winter coat. The real-life FBI agent hopefully would not suffer from the same snow blindness that you pointed out Elizabeth Olsen had.
0: Well, and we got a nice long letter from Janet, um, who you actually mentioned in the last podcast. She said she went to see Wind River. Um, She said that it was dark, but really they were glad they saw it, especially for the historical content, because she used to teach history. And I thought, again, some of these movies are really, really good to then, you know, take a junior class in high school Watch a movie like that, and then go into the historical context of how the Native Americans got into this position—be really interesting. She also, though, had a recommendation: um, Deep Water, uh, a crime series comprised of four episodes, centered around a tough plot. It stars Yael Stone, who played Lorna Morello in Orange is the New Black. Do you remember? I thought she was so you good. You loved her in that, I yeah. did, but it's a mm-hmm. totally different part. So who knew that this Brooklyn-accented, lipstick-wearing inmate is really Australian and terrific. Deep Water is a super series, but just seeing her as a tough cop is worth it alone. You know, I'm a sucker for a woman cop, so I'm in. I'm in. I'm doing <laughs> that one. I am dealing with the families of the dead.
1: And they need to know the truth.
0: How old were you in 89? Oh,
1: primary school.
0: Gangs of youths up and down the coast hunting for prey. It was a sport back then, a blood sport. A dumpster came from behind and he smacked him over the head. They swung him over the cliff.
1: And there's another Australian series she mentions on Netflix called Rake, a courtroom comedy slash drama. And I thought this was a fabulous comment. She said, it is not a show for the Puritans in us, but it is fun, bizarre and thoughtful all at once. So I'm She also to called it out.
0: rakish and I thought that, I thought God I can't remember the last time somebody called something rakish
1: and that alone made me want to watch it. And she of course is the one who brought offspring to our attention on Netflix and I want Janet to know that I've spent yet another week binge watching that show. I'm almost done now with season oh three. God. Hollister it's gotten to the point I've seen so many episodes in a row. I'm not kidding. I woke up this morning with an Australian accent. <laughs> okay you know
0: what I think maybe the burning question should be have you come to the dark side permanently. You did the last tycoon all in one sitting, practically, 24-hour period. Apparently, I'm
1: having completion issues, especially, you know, the summer can get a little sleepy, especially the end of August, and this wasn't a huge box office summer. Everyone's talking about how the box office is down about 12% over last year, which wasn't a particularly, you know, strong year, so... Thank goodness for all our Australian shows on Netflix. So thanks well, You to know, Janet. I hope you're not going to become me. I think that position is already <laughs> the taken. The couch potato, watching too much television. But
0: you go, girl. You know I'm happy that your demise equals my own.
1: <laughs> okay. Any news on your front? Well, I thought this was very interesting. I'm sure you saw the announcements. We got invited to a sneak screening of Humans of New York, which is going to be debuting on Facebook's new video platform, Watch. This week. And, you know, this is the guy Brandon Stanton. And I love the story because it's all about how he really pursued his passion. When he lost his job in 2010, he was a bond trader in Chicago. He moved to New York. He brought his camera and he wanted to photograph 10,000 New Yorkers. He started out doing it and led to his immensely popular blog, two best selling books, 18 million Facebook likes. And he said that all along, he's also been taking video. Yeah, And I love this quote from Brandon Stanton. He says, I'm often deeply moved by the people I meet, or they make me laugh, or they make me think. And I always do my best to recreate the experience through photos and words. But I always knew that video would provide the closest thing to, quote, unquote, actually being there. So for the last four years, I've filmed 12 100 interviews on the streets of New York.
0: You know, did you follow his Streets of New York on Instagram? Not on Instagram, but on Facebook. You know, I I followed it on Instagram. After a while, it was so formulaic that I just didn't want to see it anymore. So it would be interesting to see how the film goes because, you know it's sort of like you know how if a, if a song if all there wasn't a song is the rhythm la-da-da-da, la-da-da-da, um, you would just lose your mind and I felt like after a while I couldn't see or feel the people anymore because he had written them exactly the same way just different words
1: it was funny. Well, then I didn't like it. maybe maybe the video will help because it'll yeah. be them in their own voice. Because I love New York, and it's just a testament to how there seems to be this infinite supply of people with such three D personalities in New York know, that he right? can find someone every day. <laughs> you know? I know, it's
0: really true. It's really Mm -hmm. true. So, any other news on your end? I don't have any this week. Not on my end. Okay. Okay, you went to a... Did you go to the movie or someone... Did you see a screening? I I can't remember what it was that brought
1: you there. I actually went to a real brick-and-mortar theater. (laughs) I stepped away from Offspring, turned off Netflix. It's called The Midwife, or in French, Sage Femme.
0: Bonjour. Voilà, je suis à la recherche d'Antoine Breton. Je suis Beatrice
1: Sobolevski. I thought of this movie as the two Catherines. It stars Catherine Deneuve, who, I mean, how iconic can yeah, you get I mean, you when you get think get French exactly. actress? Yeah, exactly. Right? I mean, when your image has been used for the Marianne and you've become the national symbol for France and, and your face is on a French coin, I think you're pretty much up there. Yeah. And it also stars Catherine Fro.
0: Wait, can I just interrupt you for one quick second? Mm-hmm. So when I, when I uh, when I heard that her image was on a coin, I thought... I would love to replace George Washington with Kate Hepburn.
1: Oh, <laughs> Do you think did you have any special criteria? No, I just thought, gosh,
0: <laughs> I've been looking at men on coins all my life. I'd, really like... <laughs> I would love to see Katherine Hepburn on a coin. I mean, because she has the same first name, maybe I don't know, um, but I just love the idea. <laughs> that somebody like that could be on a
1: coin. You know what you I mean? Know, it's, I didn't know Brigitte Bardot was the first actress whose likeness was used for the Marianne.
0: Huh, okay.
1: Yeah. Okay, there so anyway, sorry to interrupt. Roger I'm sorry to interrupt, but I just wanted to put that in. Well, between the two Catherines, they have four César awards and an additional 20 other César nominations. Do you have
0: age number
1: it's really one of those slice of life movies Mm -hmm. and Hollister I had to laugh, I mean maybe in honor of Labor Day I kept seeing things about obstetricians because (laughs) there I am watching Offspring and Call the Midwife, a German friend sent me some DVDs and then I end up in a movie called The Midwife and when it opens, I gotta tell you these were not stunt babies, they were showing some real births or those babies had some really good makeup artists, (laughs) I felt a little bit like Jack Nicholson and Something's Gotta Give.
0: Hey, we're not all doctors, baby.
1: Okay, that's another profession I can just rule out. But I think you would have liked the underlying question of the movie because it's about forgiveness. And the question was really, would you let somebody back into your life who had hurt you? Maybe beyond hurt. Maybe you felt extremely had betrayed you.
0: I don't know anybody who hasn't. I mean, second chances are what life's all
1: about, aren't they? And what about third do you um, cut them off at a certain point?
0: Well, you know, I, I don't know. I think it depends on the relationship, how long, long far back it goes. I, you know, recently lost a friend over something, a 45 year uh, relationship, devastating to me. I think about her daily, but I don't think we'll ever speak again and that's okay with me. So sometimes I would and sometimes I wouldn't. I just don't think there's a clear pathway to
1: a yes or no mm. answer. Especially in French, <laughs> the language of diplomacy. Why would you? I think it really depends on the circumstances. Yeah, I do too. You know. Yep. And here I had to laugh because you know how last week or the week before we were talking about what the health that documentary on right, Netflix we were, yes. Yes, well, Catherine Deneuve's character has certainly not seen it. Mm. <laughs> She's been diagnosed with something terrible and there's Catherine Fro playing a midwife who knows a lot about health and just looking on in horror as Catherine Deneuve proceeds to smoke and drink and eat red meat and put milk in her coffee. Autre. Uh, tu dois demander ce que je fous là, hein? Huh? Whisky? But French is such a beautiful language, and these two actresses have such expressive eyes and faces. You could probably, you know, watch it yeah, on yeah. mute.
0: So so do you, rec- I mean, would you recommend that I go?
1: You know, I was thinking about that because I don't, know if it's a movie that you would just love so much that I would say, Hollister, you have to race out and see it. But I, I think if you were at a festival or you were at the screening, you would come out of that and say that was really well done.
0: You know, it's such an interesting question that you're saying is raised. Do they actually set a pathway to the answer through the film, or is it ambiguous yes, at the end?
1: because Catherine Deneuve is Catherine Froh's father's ex-mistress. Okay. So the fact that she appears, she is the inciting incident. Okay. You know, And all of a sudden she brings new havoc into Catherine Froh's resettled
0: oh. life. You know what's funny about the fact that that's a French film? Do tell. Because my experience with the French, number one is they look away from anything like that as not worth somebody's judgment
1: you mean the mistress part yeah
0: i mean like that's not something that is a deal breaker by any stretch of any imagination for anybody i know who's french and and i know a lot of people who are french and i just think it's interesting that that would be the plot line for whether forgiveness, you know, what's to forgive in there, yeah, you know well, what Well, I, mean? I, I
1: don't want to give away too much, okay, so I all right, can't yeah. say more because there is more, but Catherine Froh, she viewed Catherine Deneuve as her ersatz mother. Okay. Well. And Catherine Deneuve has just walked away. Okay. You know, so from it's about one lies. day to the next, so, she disappears. Okay. So it's much, much more well, complex. I, okay. I, I think it's more like just vanishing from someone's life. Okay. And I then gotcha. reappearing years later. But I wanted to mention two movies, one for each actress. I don't know if they're old enough yet to be our hashtag blast from the past films. Mm-hmm. Catherine Froh, she was in the French film Marguerite last year, which we mentioned briefly in our podcast on Florence Foster Jenkins. Do you remember how two movies came out almost at the same time about, you know, inspired by the real life Yes, yes, yes. socialite? So Catherine Fro played her in the French version where they set it in Paris, but it was inspired by the same person. She was fabulous in it. A very, very, very different part. It was fun to watch that. It. It's now available on Netflix and compare it to the Meryl Streep Hugh Grant version. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. And the other, do you have a favorite Catherine Deneuve movie off no, the top of your I mean, head? No. I mean, I just like looking at her. I don't really know much that much about her actually. <laughs> While counting your coins. Um, okay, I'm gonna put out there Persepolis. Oh, of course, which yeah. is animated. But I just love that Catherine Deneuve voiced the mother of Marjan Satrapi in Persepolis and her real life daughter, Chiara Mastroianni, voiced the part of the daughter. Hmm. So she was Marjan. If you ever check out the DVD, it's got some fun extras on the making of. Okay, it's really interesting. I, you know, I'm not, I
0: am i am not sure I'm getting from your review here that I'm gonna go to it, but at the same time, it, certainly if I came across it, I'd watch it. But I love the concept of it. I mean, I love a movie about forgiveness. So I don't think they do enough of them.
1: And anyone out there who is a fan of French cinema, uh-huh. they will not be disappointed. Yeah, yeah. gotcha.
0: Yeah, say too. Okay, you so you're so French okay ferme la bouche O'Toole okay <laughs> okay, I'm just kidding you know
1: I'm just kidding but I love I love the way that rolls off my tongue as one of my friends might say that's you know fluidity reinforced through use
0: <laughs> <laughs> Oh ouch! Femme la bouche, for those of you who don't know, means shut your mouth. But <laughs> no, I'm still waiting for the play. vous plait. Yeah, and Well, you could put c'est vous at the end of it. It would be fine. Yeah, okay. Uh, I just uh, it is a beautiful SVP. language, really. That's really all that French have left. That's some and food. They,
1: yeah, I exactly. certainly know how to ride a bicycle while wearing a scarf. <laughs> okay. My next life, I'm exactly. coming back French. Okay. Yes, mm-hmm.
0: I, I can see you doing that. I can see that. I could see that. Absolutely. You'll, you'll recognize me from the trench coat. <laughs> Okay so meanwhile we move from this beautiful film about forgiveness to life as we know it is just over and every single thing between <laughs> politics and food that we eat and everything and it's sort of like you know I the only way I I just thought how am I going to explain this but it, the 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 film is Icarus, and I, I I saw it in the Hamptons with Alec Baldwin doing a Q and A afterward. Today, the World Anti Doping Agency suspended Russia's sports drug testing lab.
1: Ninety nine percent of Russian athletes are guilty of doping.
0: It's worse than we thought. If this is
1: true, it is an unimaginable level of criminality.
0: Icarus actually come it's, you know, it's Latin, it's from Greek mythology. He comes from a long line of craftsmen, so he's the son of this master craftsman, and so often depicted in art, Icarus and his father, like, attempt to escape Crete by means of wings that his father constructed from feathers and wax, and Icarus's father um, warns him that complacency and hubris and says, don't fly too low or too high, sort of fly in the middle so the sea's dampness and wetness would not clog his wings or the sun's heat melt them. So it's like flying around the middle so you don't get caught on either end of the spectrum. And of course, he ignores his father's instructions, as do all of us in, the, in life, certainly <laughs> in where I know they do. And so he ignores his his father, and he flies too close to the sun. The wax um, and his wings melts, and he tumbles out of the sky and falls into the sea where he drowns. Okay, Okay, back to now. We're now going to move back to... (laughs) Okay, so do you remember when we reviewed the movie Queen of Versailles? Yes. And Uh I kept saying through this whole thing, the only reason this documentary is doing so well is because they were really lucky... That her entire life fell apart in the middle of filming this film. Do you remember a part? Of, you know, part of it was dumb luck, right? Well, I mean, they did end up in the middle of litigation, so it's right. But they, but it was luck, dumb but... luck that they went bankrupt in the middle of reading you know, of us following them on this opulent life, which at the beginning of the documentary, you had no idea was going to end this way, right? It it added a very interesting plot twist, right? That so, is for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, enter Icarus. Ready? Okay. Okay. So Brian Fogel. Who's actually known as a playwright. So he meets Dr. Grigory Rodchenkov, and he's this amateur cyclist. And Grigory is somebody who works on doping or anti-doping in Russia. Very famous, famous, famous. So Fogel, who's this you know amateur cyclist who who wants to do a documentary around, he's going to dope himself up and see if he can improve his cycling uh, results. And then he's going to pass with flying colors through urine tests required in competitions. And then he's going to broadcast the results on the other end, right? Morgan Spurlock on steroids. Right. So that's what's going to happen. So... He calls the Dr. Gregory and, you know, they just are immediately simpatico because Brian Fogel, by the way, is really compelling and he's part of what makes this sort of entertaining.
1: I was thinking that it would start, I ask you questions and you the answer yes or no. Were you the mastermind that cheated the Olympics? Yes.
0: So he throws himself into helping Fogel cheat the system with this level uh you know, I mean, like, he's so excited to do it that he, you know... Shouldn't be expected that he's from the head of the anti-drugs units because he's not only does he know every single thing, but he seems to really enjoy doing it with him. You know, there's no there's no sense of it that oh my gosh, this is a terrible problem. Even helps him getting all this these drugs through through airport security and more. I mean, even more extraordinarily, he admits on camera that similar nefarious methods were used to enhance performances in Russia of athletes at the Sochi Winter Olympics, wh- where Russia took home 13 gold medals. I was helping to facilitate one
1: of the most elaborate doping ploys in a sport history. This goes all the way back to 1968. Every sport
0: doping because we all know lance armstrong right i mean how many how many documentaries can we see on poor lance i mean poor lance nothing my ass the guy should be (laughs) penniless with what he did to other human beings i don't care so much what he did to his own body but i care how he decimated other people but anyway this goes back so far and is so deep that anyway so it all starts to unravel what happens is because of him russia's then accused by the committee And I think it's called the NADA or NAWA. I can't remember. I mean, I was just so mesmerized by this film of Please God. Another thing has zero meaning. Because what happens is they start to unfold that you're talking about doping in every aspect of any athletic event where there's a piece of dollar involved mm-hmm. okay and then I'm like oh my god so these athletes you know I mean then I'm thinking not my Chrissy Everett she didn't do it if she was doped she didn't have enough energy to be doped the way I said <laughs> <laughs> but then I thought who knows That has the potential of affecting the credibility of all sport why would I watch an event that's fixed I thought this stuff started in the 90s. I didn't think it went back another 30 years, and I didn't think it was so huge. But cut to the chase, our poor little Russian uh, doctor who couldn't wait to you know, show him exactly how to do it, all of a sudden he has a couple of attempts on his life and he has to leave Moscow, so he comes to America where he becomes the whistleblower extraordinaire that's in this documentary. This all can be proved it's quite mind blowing. New York Times is breaking tomorrow. Tomorrow. So if you want to really continue the depressed state of the world with yet another thing that you can't depend on, then for sure you should see this. But it was, it was funny because you texted me a couple days ago and said, you know, do you want me to watch it? I'm like, no, do not watch this film. Because all I could think of is this is so negative. We have got to find documentaries that lift us up rather than rip us down. And this is another one of those documentaries where you think, oh. how is this possible by the way it's fascinating it's interesting it's so depressing in a in a different sense than oh that is a really sad story much more in the sense of you know we value these athletes first of all what they're doing to the body I mean, they show some of the stuff they do to these guys to make them be able to have the right oxygen you know and to be able to pass these tests and i want i have news for you it's got to be killing them i mean lance armstrong had cancer in his brain it's I cannot believe part of it the reason wasn't because of what he was doing, you know. So I don't know, I think you should stay away from it because we just can't we've gotta start doing a little happy talk, you know, and this is not it.
1: So were you drawn to this because Alec Baldwin was
0: doing the Q and (laughs) A? No, not particularly. Um, a friend and I went. I mean, you know, it's part, it was part of the Hampton International Film Festival summer series. And so I thought it looked, you know, I'm, I I enjoyed the Lance Armstrong. I think I've seen two or three
1: of those documentaries, and I enjoyed them. Now, if we merged our two movies and Lance Armstrong knocked on your door, would you forgive him? No, absolutely not.
0: By the way, the reason I wouldn't forgive him is, number one, I didn't know him. So why would I bother to let him into my life when he never had a place in it before? But the second reason is because it's one thing to hurt me in some way. It's another thing to try to decimate people for no reason.
1: Mm -hmm. I mean, and
0: he ruined people's lives, totally ruined their lives. No, I want nothing to do with him ever, ever, ever. It's a very good point. Yeah. Mm hmm um, so anyway, we have to move from th- from this movie. We just have to move right off it as swiftly as we came in. And I'm going to do a Before lavender spritz. Before our wax and wings melt. No. I'm going to do a lavender spritz. Spray, spray, spray. And now we're going to move on to our list of six. Okay, you want to lead now, us in?
1: Well, Hollister, you were mentioning that Labor Day is coming up. And so you thought we could do our six favorite... Screen. Wait, I have to tell our listener something. I
0: have to interrupt you and say, so I text her and say, hey, Labor Day, this weekend, do you want to do list of six Labor Day? You want to hear her answer? Oh, yes, yes, please tell us her answer. What's her answer? Oh, my, tell us her answer. Let okay, me know when you need me, Hollister. And her, Your answer was, what kind of labor are you referring to, the OBGYN kind?
1: Or I'm like, oh, my God. Well, I mean, as you know, I was binge-watching Offspring. <laughs>
0: Okay, Labor Day, <laughs> Labor Day, Labor Day.
1: Okay, what's your <laughs> there first There I was on midwife, midwife, midwife. <laughs> okay, I know this probably won't please you, so you can view it as a labor pain, but I'm going with the good wife. Really? You know, in every episode, I always thought Juliana Margulies was such a good lawyer, and I thought it portrayed... That push and pull between being excellent at your job and compromising your own personal Yeah, okay. You know, very I, it's well.
0: funny because when I think, of, I, I, of course, went to the literal sense of like unions and, you know, all these other mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Well, okay. no,
1: I, I stuck with work okay. in general. Okay. That's, but, hey, that's labor. You know, she labored. No but question. I admired that she knew every statute cold. She always was impeccably dressed and she always looked fantastic, even though she never slept. It's like a superhero lawyer. Right,
0: and she knew all of those, not because she was a lawyer, but because it was in the script. And number two, she's impeccably (laughs) dressed because there were 13 people putting her clothes on her. Okay, but you go, girl. You go, girl. All schools
1: (laughs) should just figure out some kind of new collaboration with Hollywood. It would be a prettier (laughs) world.
0: Okay, so why don't we go from the good wife to, I was going to go with Hoffa. Mr. Hoffa, Mr. Hoffa, are we going to win this strike? Mr., we have won this strike. This railroad so it's the story of the notorious American labor union figure, Jimmy Hoffa, but who organized this like bitter strike, like he was on the side of righteous right or whatever. And then he makes deals with members of the organized crime syndicate. And then he mysteriously disappears in 1975. And I just want to tell you that he mysteriously disappeared from a steakhouse. I lived in Bloomfield Hills, Michigan. I remember when the news came out that he had left the steakhouse we used to go to every Sunday night as a family, and they never found him, and there are some that say, whisper whisper, that they repaved the parking lot like 3 weeks later at this restaurant and that he's in it. Wow. I know, just so you know. And I mean, I don't know if that's true or not. I'm a just mystic. Skim- I know, right? I, we used to see him in the restaurant, you know. And he was so flashily dressed. But what I remember is when he would walk by, his cologne would make me choke. Really? Yeah. The reason I think it was such a good film is, again, that Jack Nicholson can do anything. He plays Hoffa really, really well. Yeah. So
1: what's your next one? You're going to laugh. I mean, it's almost like we're doing two different lists of six. Again, I'm going to go with my wider rubric of just work-related themes. I'm going with Gorillas in the Mist. (laughs) (laughs) Labor? What are you talking about? 1988, Sigourney Weaver, Brian Brown, again, an Australian. What's not to love? I just thought this portrayed two extremely adventurous jobs. (laughs) Diane Fossey, who's a scientist studying gorillas, and Brian Brown plays the real-life National Geographic photographer. And I thought this was a cautionary tale when it comes to labor, that, you know, her work might have cost her both her mind and her life okay I, so, I, I think you know, it's a, little, a little, little bit of a morning. reach
0: but I think it's interesting and I haven't thought about that I like that as a hashtag uh, blast from the past movie it's a good film it's a really good film regardless of whether it really relates to labor or not uh-huh. I'm going to go to North Country oh yeah do you think that's a good choice do you like it I do I yes I, I do I want to to the mine the company all of them you can't win none of those women will take your side whether you win or lose you stand up so the first major successful sexual harassment case in the United States. But it's a fictional account about what led to the lawsuits. We don't really know what led to the lawsuit. We know that in reality, the lawsuit, she did win it. Um, but I think it's it's really, really good. And I think, do you remember who's in it?
1: It's funny. A couple people we've mentioned in recent podcasts, Woody Harrelson, yep. Jeremy Renner, yep. Frances McDormand, Sissy Spacek, and Charlize Theron.
0: Exactly. She's the star. I think she was nominated. I think she got some noms for that. Okay, what you got to end with? What okay, you, you, this
1: you? is my last one. Okay. I'm going to go. You're going to hate it. I mean, we did a okay, podcast first on of this all, one. All
0: three of your introductions have started with how I'm going to feel about it. So why don't you let me tell you what but is... Have I been wrong yet? Yes, I mean, I know you you're going to hate
1: this choice, because you hated yeah, it in I mean, the podcast. I in
0: the Mist, I'm not quite sure. I think we need to vote for more
1: listeners as to whether <laughs> that really is a labor movie, but go on. All right, I'm going to go with the Danish TV series Borgen. Oh, no, I think that's a good one. Hilke Larsen, Karen Ankersted, Mathilde Malling Havschultz. De navne håber jeg vi alle kan. Well, I thought, you know, it's the ultimate job. She becomes the prime minister of her country, the first female prime minister. And, you know, I thought it did a very good job of portraying the toll it took on her personal life. Hmm. No, I like that. I think that's a really good choice. And in a case of real-life imitating art, after season one concluded, which was so insanely popular... Denmark really did elect their first female prime minister. Yep. I like that. Who's one to say? Yeah. Well, thank you. Okay. Hollister, you do always surprise me. But now you you get to be our crowning glory with your okay, last so one. Okay, so
0: I'm gonna give you one word and you're gonna tell me the movie I chose. Ready? Okay. Union. Uh Norma Ray. Yep. Wow. Winner, okay. winner, winner. And we didn't discuss this. <laughs> okay, Sally Field playing Norma Ray, for yep. which she won an Academy Award. I, it not only is it her finest performance, and certainly she's had a lot of them to choose from, but in addition to that, I, it was so, it was a long, long time ago, and she was really one of those first women heroines for for me who went to the movies all the time, who was stood up against all odds to do what was right, and in the end, it was a good thing, you know. So. I just, I love Norma Rae. Do you think that's a good choice to end with, don't you think? I was going to say, Hollister, you like her. You really like her. Uh, yeah. Is that when she made that speech? Was it for Norma Rae? It was, it was wasn't it? five years later
1: when she went okay. again okay. for Places in the Heart. Okay.
0: Yep.